This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at the BatmanUniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, my name is Peter Tomasi. Hi, this is James Hyman IV. Hi, I'm Dan Jurgens. Hey, I'm Duff Lewin. This is Jim Lee. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Mark Hamill speaking. This is Kevin Conroy. This is Tim Sale. Hello, everyone. I'm Batman, and you're listening to my podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comics Podcast, Season 12, Episode 5, Legacy Number 292. I am Ian, and I have with me... This is Steph. And this is Theo. And we're recording three episodes in the month of March, and so we've asked Theo to come in as a pinch-hitting co-host for our first one. Uh, We're just reviewing Batman number 90, but we have some great listener questions. And Theo has a couple of thoughts that I'm glad to have because we unfortunately had a lack of um, real difference in analysis for Detective Comics 1020. And Theo spent a lot of time thinking about that issue in his review for the site. So I was hoping that he would share those analysis with us both uh, as co-hosts and you, the listeners. Yeah, thanks, thanks Ian. And yeah, I, I will admit when when I first read Detective that first time, I was really turned off by it, um, and started jotting away with regards to putting my review together. Uh, but then, as I really read it a second time and parts of it a third time, uh, f- to really try to get as analytical as I could, I really picked up a appreciation of it um again it was not without its faults and, and i think my i think my review touched upon that um especially considering you know uh that tomasi has been on detective for a year and we're still trying to figure out where he's taking the character uh but just for the fact that you know for once in a very long time we actually had a detective comic where batman uh was doing detective work uh, really touched home with me as someone who's been reading uh, detective for quite a long time and following the character quite a long time and, and aware of the history of detective comics uh, for quite a long time. So seeing that, you know, he, he went there and actually had Bruce doing some detective work, doing some analysis with the crime scene, uh, kind of brought me back to the days of yours. Uh, so I really did appreciate that. I know I gave uh, the issue a, a 3.5 uh, for that for the week. Uh, and I'm just hoping that Tomasi can continue continue on with this. Yeah, I think those are excellent points. I, I do like the fact that Batman himself is functioning in a, in a very analytical way. I think that's a cool thing that often... We see him doing all these plans, these superhero-type plans, and seeing 
him go back to a more detective mode, you know, sort of like the Arkham video games, is, is a cool thing. And I, I would appreciate more of that in general, especially since um, in the issue we're about to read, it's very much focused on that superhero action horror that James Tynan has talked about. So Tomasi adding those different flavors to what Bat fans can buy is a good thing. All right. So, let's get started with our one review for this episode, Batman number 90, written by James Tynan IV, drawn by Jorge Jimenez. Deathstroke speeds through Gotham on a motorcycle, but Batman has taken out the rest of his team as Harley Quinn informs him over his earpiece. Lucius questions the team-up, but Batman affirms the decision then speaks with Catwoman, as the last issue hinted. She tells him she's sorry, then divulges the full history. Not quite at the beginning, after year one, the designer, a very, very old master criminal, summoned Catwoman, Joker, Penguin, and Riddler for dinner. He met privately with all four, helping them level up their plans to become true master criminals in their own right. But when he met with the Joker... He stormed out of the room and ordered the four murdered instantly. Instead, Joker shot him and his henchmen, and the four criminals left their dreams behind with the designer's body to burn down in his mansion. In the present, Selina reveals that her plan is to about to go into motion, to steal all of the Wayne assets. Let's get started with our discussion questions. First is, how... Absolutely amazing is Jorge Jimenez's art for this issue. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, it's Batman looks scary in parts, and Selena's beautiful, and um, he changes his art style for it looks like for like the flashbacks and stuff like that, like the super flashbacks, like the designer's flashbacks. Um, and so it just keeps things interesting, and it's just really cool. Oh, let me tell you, the the <laughs> art and the color was so beautiful. I absolutely loved every page of this issue. Uh, I know one of the things that I just kept pointing out, uh, especially uh, to some of you guys, was just how well he drew the he drew the Joker. And, and the one page that is just so awesome is that page where uh, they're burning the bow house the how the bow house is burning the joker standing there and for some reason <clears throat> excuse me for some reason that that way he drew the joker makes it looks almost like almost like jack nicholson from batman 89 mm-hmm. he's he's he first shows himself and he's like wait till they get a load of me and that look on his face is just so menacing i absolutely loved everything about jimenez's art yeah, it's it's so rich. It's got that really stylized, almost animation. You can see sort of the influence of the animated series and the very triangular torso of Batman and, and the really angular lines. But he's also got more of a realistic feeling to it. So it's very rendered and, and there's a lot of detail. So it's not quite as simplified as what I expect we're going to get from Ty Templeton's art in the new Batman The Adventure Continues um, series that's coming up. I... I can't say enough about Jorge Jimenez. And even though I thought that his art for the recent Justice League run has sometimes a bit rushed feeling, his characters felt a little muddy. Um, when he's at his best, where that that famous image of 
Superman, John, and Pa Kent sort of doing a triple punch, which was in Justice League, which even as someone who doesn't enjoy the Justice League run, that is a powerful image. And then back to his work on uh, Super Sons and um, Smallville Season 11. He's just a really great talent, and I'm so excited that he's on Batman to really get that stage where he can build his career and his profile and be able to pick his projects and, and just be one of those A-list artists that I think he was born to be. Um, th- this art, this issue was made by the art. It, there's, as my summary sort of shows, it's a pretty brief issue in terms of what happens, but how it happens, the emotions of the characters, the feelings of excitement and horror and action and violence and warmth and creepiness. He, he just conveys it all so perfectly, and Tynan works really well with that. I think that Tynan and Jimenez have worked out a good working relationship through their collaboration on Justice League, and I, I think that really pays off in this issue of Batman. So I I love this. It is everything I dreamed of, but more. It's even better than I thought Jimenez's art for Batman would be, and I'm very excited to see what he does going forward. Now, now, I don't, I don't. Also, let's not take away from the colors that Moray did. I mean, these colors are absolutely beautiful. I mean, they're it's bright when it needs to be. You know, like I said, that page with with the Joker, uh, you know, standing in front of the burning house is just beautiful. But that first page with with Harley, you know, messing around with Deathstroke on the on the headphone with the drones. I mean, just beautiful, beautiful colors. And uh, I absolutely enjoy everything that Moray does. I 100% um, agree. Moray is the, a master. And the way he draws, especially Catwoman, with the, the vivid purple in the flashbacks is so beautiful. My favorite Catwoman suit. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Steph. I was going to say the the picture, the the full picture of uh, Catwoman and Batman on the rooftop talking. Like I don't know why, but my eye was just immediately drawn to his utility belt, just because it almost looks like ethereally glowing, like like the 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 reflection of the city lights on th- on their bodies and off like just everything in that picture is just very ethereal and very pretty. Um. I mean, that whole picture is just great, but I don't know why my eye was just drawn to that. So when you were talk, talking about the colors, that, I don't know, utility belt, it was great. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's funny you mentioned how, how the Joker in the end kind of looks nine evil when right after they meet the designer, he's got like a, a Cesar Romero Batman 66 look. So it's almost like we're getting an evolution of Joker just within this issue of being the silly prankster. And by the end... After, after having talked to the designer, you know, he's got this plan for whatever. We can assume it's a lot of the stuff he did later on. But it's just it's just interesting seeing just within the art, the evolution of his character. I, I completely agree. That's a really good point about how he and Tome Mori, because a lot of that is lighting, um, really worked to make the Joker go from sort of that that really jokey character that you sometimes see in like the animated series or especially Batman 66, as you point out, but then there's a demon unleashed at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's masterful work. This issue at the very least for the art, but I would say the writing is also quite good is just 
how a really fun and well-told Batman story can be. Um, I I also wanted to mention that we we all gave uh, the designer a thumbs down last episode, but I I think that in Jimenez's hand, now Jimenez was the one who designed his his costume. In Jimenez's hand, I think it works a lot better for some reason. Just the way he chooses to frame him and how he highlights certain aspects of the costume, I think I I didn't have nearly the problem I did in last issue. No, well, he you're makes, wrong. <laughs> he, he 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 really makes him look more majestic. In this he does issue. have a sword this time. <laughs> Maybe he's more imposing with the sword. Ugh, it's still silly. <laughs> I mean, it, they're all kind of silly. They're a penguin, a uh, joker That's clown. That's true. That's true. Um. All right. So uh, <laughs> perhaps we should move on from our worship <laughs> at the altar of Jorge Jimenez. Um <laughs> In terms of writing, do you feel that this moves Bruce and Selena's relationship forward, or are they do they end the issue sort of in the same place that they were at the beginning with sort of a lot of mistrust? I don't think there was mistrust at the beginning. I mean, there's things that need to be revealed. You can't reveal everything about yourself. You know, I'm, I've been married almost 11 years, and I'm still learning things about my husband. Like... I don't think it's necessarily a mistrust. It's more like things that she has yet to share because they have had lifetimes apart. And so I hated the cover words like Catwoman's secret will tear them apart. It's like, first of all. Yeah, that was going to, that was going to be my point as well. (laughs) To answer the question, I don't think there's mistrust. There's just still a lot of unanswered questions. Yeah. And one of the things that always irks me sometimes with what DC does with their covers is this, is that they either draw it one way or they say something and that thing doesn't happen. And, yeah. you know, there's nothing in this issue that tears them apart. And yeah, in fact, at the end, he's like, no, I totally knew that. Let's let's go. We got to take care of things. <laughs> It's almost like the story wasn't even needed, except we need we needed the backstory. But Batman's like, no, I totally knew that that was your plan. Let's go. I don't know. It's like if you're going to date someone who used to be a criminal, she's going to have a tawdry past, and and you have to be okay with that. Good, excellent points. I, I tend to agree. <laughs> I think that this isn't <laughs> what the cover promised, which is some kind of weird breakup. I think it was just, you know, sort of rough patch, and they're moving past like adults. <laughs> Um, something that was sort of my um, question based on me reading James Tynan's newsletters is, do you think we should see more of Bruce outside the cowl? We're, um, let's see, this is issue 90, so this is the fifth issue that Tynan's done. And it's all been on one night, and he's spent the entire night in the cowl. Do you think that we should see some Bruce outside the cowl? We had some really good issues of Detective where he was outside the cowl. Um, what do you think? I think we should, but if it's still the night, like he's still in Batman mode, like the end of the night, yeah. I mean, he's got to go home and take a shower and be a Bruce, but I think as it is, because it's all been one night so far, I think it makes sense that he hasn't. And he's had conversations with Selena as Bruce, which I think is meeting halfway on that wanting. 
Yeah, I don't want to see Bruce just for the sake of seeing Bruce. No. As long as it, it it's going along with the flow of the story, um, yeah, you know, the more Bruce we have, the better. But, you know, as long as it's just, hey, here's Bruce Wayne, you know, I, I'm good with that. That's a good point. There hasn't been a really organic place to show Bruce yet. So I guess I'm just excited about what this world that he's built. And I want to see all the facets, not just the superhero, but also the civilian part where Bruce is really rebuilding Gotham after the last devastation of city of Bane. Um, I hope it's not like a soap opera though. or in like six months, we're still on the same night (laughs) or all-star Batman and Robin. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Uh, that's a joke for older uh, readers who read Frank Miller and Jim Lee's all-star Batman and Robin in which Batman appears to have kidnapped Dick Grayson on one night, but he appears on milk cartons uh, just a few issues later when they're still on the same night. Um, <laughs> um, Never mention that book again. I, it's <laughs> terrible. I am not a fan, but it is hilarious. Uh, well, I mean, I, I always have a disdain because it just, they never finished. They never finished it. That's one thing I know about. <laughs> they never yeah, finished it. <laughs> They, they, I still love Jim Lee's comment at the uh, Rebirth announcement when Scott Snyder announced All-Star Batman. He said, what the heck, man? You think I'm not drawing fast enough? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good times. Um, so the next question is something I thought was really cool about this issue. Do you like the picture Catwoman paints of the old days when um, the the struggle between Batman and the villains was more of a game? Do you get the sense that uh, it was a game back in those days? I mean, we have a bunch of stories from that time, like Year One, Zero Year, War of Jokes and Riddles, and The Long Halloween, that all show early relationships or even the first conflicts between Batman and his rogues. And I'm not sure I would buy that they were just games. A lot of people died in those stories. What's your take on that? I think that's Selena's take on it. I think she was having fun and she that's she's a cat, right? She's making things more playful when it's obviously not. And so I think that's just her interpretation and her side of the story. I don't think it's necessarily to be taken verbatim because Batman takes everything seriously. Like everything in his life is as serious as a heart attack. Like I, I think it's just her her viewpoint of things. Yeah, I I I, I agree. I I think that's just Selena's interpretation of it that it was just a game. I mean, you can you can look at uh, year one where it was more of a game. You know, going back and forth with Bruce. You can go no further than um, the annual uh, that Tom King did when you know they were playing cat and mouse with each other. Um, you know, so for her, yeah, it was definitely a game. But I mean, when you look at the long Halloween and all the people that that died at, you know, at Harvey's hands, you know, it, it, that's not a game. So I, I won't go that far to say for the for the entire rogues gallery. But for Selena, yeah, I, I could see it as being a game for her. I think that's a really key distinction. And Selena, some people have argued with me, and most of them tend to be Talia fans, that <laughs> Selena has been a villain and a psychopath and a murderer the whole time. And I've never gotten that sense. I haven't read, I haven't read a lot of her, you know, 1940s to 1970s stuff, but I've read some of them in Batman number one. She's not a killer. She's just a cat burglar, a thief and master of disguise. And 
I really think that goes for a lot of her her plans. She's she's never been as vicious as certainly the Joker, but even Penguin and um, Riddler have have been much more interested in high body counts and, and careless of life. Catwoman's always been a thief, and I think that is more of a game than murder. So I I think you have an absolute point there, Theo. I think that's very true. Yeah, the closest the closest she got to being a murdering psychopath was when she was framed for killing the two hundred and thirty oh, yeah. people um early in, in King's run with uh I am Bane, you know. And we we know how that went. Yep, yep. <laughs> um sort of <laughs> Uh, the scheme to rob Bruce Wayne feels like it's been a little bit, it's done too much in the last decade or so. You've got uh, the ending of Batman Incorporated, ended with Bruce Wayne's assets frozen. You have Batman Eternal, where Hush re- Hush's plan results in um, Batman's assets being frozen or stolen. And of course, The Dark Knight Rises. The movie ends with Bane uh, freezing and or stealing Batman and Wayne Enterprises' assets. Um, I, I like what Tynan's doing here, but I will say that that particular plot point felt a little less original. What was your uh, response to that? Well, I mean, I think you can see in the fact that Bruce is like, oh, yeah, no, no, I totally know that. Like, it's something he expects. It is something that happens a lot when you're that rich. Like, it's just something that people want. I mean, it's not that surprising. And then... I think the bigger takeaway from this is that it was Selena doing it this time. It's like, yes, if if Bane is wanting to steal your assets or if if Tommy Elliot, well, I guess that was his best friend, right? But he's a psychopath now. So, you know, if, if it's Tommy Elliot or, or Bane, yes, that's, that's terrible and overdone. But if it's someone who even back then kind of, well, I guess she liked Batman, not Bruce Wayne. But when it's someone who you're in a relationship now and you find out, oh, you know, she had conspired to steal my money and now that plan is being utilized. I I can see how she would at least feel extra bad about that. And I think that's the bigger takeaway is that it's, it's the personal, how personal it is rather than the plan itself. I think the only way this works is that if any end, it kind of leads to what the rumors has been with 5g, that it leads to, you know, Bruce being out of the limelight and and someone else taking up the cow. But since this is happening so quickly, I just can't see that being the case. So I'm not sure if it will work in the end. But again, I I lay my trust in in Tanya and in, in getting it done. Yeah, I think, I mean, we just hear that that's the plan. It certainly hasn't happened yet. And I hope that it's just sort of a raising the stakes thing instead of having to have another period where Batman has no money and he's sort of exiled. Um, yeah, go ahead. Because if, if Batman doesn't have money, if Bruce Wayne doesn't have money, I mean, where the heck is Lucius Fox getting money? I mean, or whatever, Luke. Same thing. Because, well, other, well like, Luke is independently wealthy, as is, is uh, Lucius. They, they all have their own companies. Uh, well, I don't know right. about Lucius, but Luke definitely has Fox Tech. Batman, or for Bruce, and so if Bruce is broke, then Lucius is broke, for, more and, or less. At least he doesn't have an income. I'm going to also say, if Bruce already knows about this, he has to have a contingency in place. 
That's a really good point. That's a very tiny plot point where he knows and has a plan. All right, so that uh, ends up our discussion questions. I had a lot uh, just because I thought this was a really rich issue and it's the only one we're doing. So let's give our ratings. Before we do that, Ken, no, go for I, it. I do have one question. It's mainly for Steph. Okay, Steph, I don't know if you paid any attention to uh, the variant cover, but based on the variant cover, would you rather have Crooked Teeth Riddler or uh, Riddler Spine? <laughs> no, I think Naked Riddler is better. <laughs> this guy looks like a zombie. What's with all those piercings? Has he ever had those piercings in in the canon before? No. Oh man, that's such a like weird more, picture. The, I'm I'm actually more disturbed by the question mark scars all over his face. Yeah, it's Riddler Zaz or something. Yeah, no, that's no, he's creepy. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a little salty because I heard that the uh, second printing of this issue is going to have the main him and his cover with just the cover and no words. And I'm like, Oh, curse you. I don't want to buy a second one, but that would be so beautiful. Wait, so it's going to be more like a virgin cover. Or, yeah. Like or, a virgin the... variant. Wow. So no trade dress or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So with all the, those are good thoughts on the cover. I'm glad you brought those up. Um, so what are our ratings, Steph? <laughs> Three and three quarters. Four. I'll give it four. I just, the art is so pretty, and I love just how he's progressing the story slowly. Um, we do get our, apparently, our customary one page of Deathstroke. Um, and I really liked it. Three, four, four. Four out of five. For me, it is a solid four. Uh, <laughs> Dare I say, maybe even a four and a half, but that that's a little bit too high. But it is <laughs> most definitely a solid four for me. I a hundred percent agree. the The mention of Deathstroke is is a good one because that's really just Harley Quinn messing with him, and Tynan <laughs> writes a hilarious Harley. Uh, there's so much good in this issue that I didn't even think of that. But going back, it's a delightful way to open the issue at. I have to give this a four as well. This is just such an enjoyable issue. The art is top notch. The, I, I, I think everyone knows I've been enjoying Gia March and um, I really liked uh, Carlo Be Pegulian's art last issue, but this is next level. This is such good quality art. I really had a good time reading this issue. So four. And Jorge's, like be, and Jorge's the regular artist for right now. Right. Well, he's this month. He's doing this issue and next issue, and then I think he's kicking off Joker War. I don't know if he's going to be doing all of Joker War or even a big part of it, but he's definitely kicking it off. So he'll be around for a bit. Over on the website, we have our um, This Week in the Batman Universe video that we put together with uh, the comics you can get on Wednesday. Uh, hope that's useful to you, and please let me know if you have any suggestions or things you want me to include or leave out. Um, we also got some great listener feedback from our Discord server members. Now, Discord is not Patreon. It's open to anyone, so if you want to join our Discord, there's a link on the website. You just join up. It's a free chat service, and you can chat from your browser and there's a channel where we talk about the podcast and we had two people leave really good questions 
Um, so, Steph, why don't you read us our first question? Sorry to interrupt, Master Booth. Ringing your phone now. This needs my attention. First one comes from Matches Malone. He says, regarding 5G, one of the elements of Bruce that I feel gives him depth is the burden of his family. The Wayne family is old money. They crafted Gotham and are somewhat accountable for what it has become. Those old wealthy families were also exploitative. Wealthy labor, resources, or history, selling arms during wartime, those old money families owe something back to the country and communities they built their fortunes upon. Bruce feels that burden. It's part of what compels him to be Batman, to take on a role that no sane person would do without either madness or an inescapable history that endlessly motivates them to do it. Luke Fox doesn't have that. Every time someone else has worn the cowl, it's been very temporary. 5G seems to be a much more permanent change. Or maybe I'm just missing something. Mark Bernardin discussed this on his piece he did for THR, though much more focused on the racial element. And he is 1,000% correct that history of wealth creation in the U.S. can't be divorced from the history of racism. But he is looking at recasting Bruce specifically and not Batman entirely. And his points around Bruce's motivation, while sad, are also intertwined with who Batman is. I miss them whenever it's not Bruce under the mask, no matter what race they are. I hope that makes sense and I was able to thread that series of needles. Too long didn't read. Batman needs the burden of being a Wayne. It's part of the character that is missing whenever someone else rails the cowl. I think that's a really important question and a really good summary of a perspective on Batman. I tend to disagree, not necessarily in whole, but definitely in emphasis and sort of direction. I think that the the over arching motivation for Bruce should always be that his parents were murdered in front of him as a child and he wants to prevent other children from losing their parents. I think that should always be the center of Batman. I do think that he should have a sense of what in in older literature we'd call noblesse oblige, uh, what we'd call now privilege, although I don't like the connotations of that word. Um, he He is a man born with great power in wealth and position. And as a certain other company likes to say, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> so I don't disagree that Bruce's position means that he should do something. And so I agree with you insofar as that. I don't think that's necessarily guilt. I don't think Bruce should bear the shame of what his ancestors may have done. Um. And I think it's really, I think that a lot of creators definitely agree with you matches rather than me, because you'll see in newer versions of Batman, and I'm going to point to a couple specific ones here. We have the Telltale Batman series. That's a video game. We have Joker, the movie starring Joaquin Phoenix. Um, we have Batman Damned uh, by Brian Azzarello and Lee Bermejo. Um, all of these really focus on Thomas Wayne particularly, but sometimes also Martha, um, as being a force of evil um, connected to, to wealth. And I think that's frustrating because I think it's part of uh, sort of a, a class warfare narrative that's being really pushed today for a lot of different reasons. And I don't disagree that people with great power, and money is power. I, I don't think there's any 
any way to deny that. I think those with great power are, are always going to have elements where their flaws, their corruptions affect more people. But I don't think that means that they necessarily should be portrayed as, as these monsters that I think that Thomas Wayne tended to be portrayed as in, um, in the telltale game or in the, uh, what was the other one? I went, so Joker and then, Oh yeah. Batman damn. There's just this tendency to, to portray the Bruce's parents as, as evil. And, and he has this guilt. And I think that that, detracts from the purity of Batman being a child who lost his parents, who wants to save other kids from losing their own parents. Um, so that's really my response. I, I, I just think there's something really admirable about the original conception, and I think that this, this different strand of Batman interpretation isn't one that I would find as compelling. If that were really the, the central or even a major motivation of Batman, I wouldn't be interested in Batman. I'm interested in Batman as a hero. I'm not really interested in Batman as a figure of class. And I know he is a figure of class, but making that the more central part of his character, I think, takes away the things that have made him a, a character that have lasted for 80 to 85 years. Uh, do any of my co-hosts have thoughts on that? Uh, disagreements with me? I might just add, I mean, add that I don't think this, I didn't necessarily get from his comment that it was his main shtick. It was just maybe a part of who he is. And therefore you can't divorce Bruce slash Batman from that. Because I, I know we were saying, you know, Luke may have money. I don't know. So I just feel like he could fill those shoes. But I guess if it's independently wealthy, he may not be old money. Um, well, I think his point is that, you know, Dwayne's are old money. The Foxes is new money. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I'm, I'm, as the black co-host this <laughs> week, um, I'm going to disagree wholeheartedly from the standpoint of. I'm going to say it this way. Yes. Yeah, so as the black co-host this week, but also as someone who's been collecting comic books as long as I have. It seems as if the topic is being taken too seriously. Um, you know, comics have been written all types of ways and all types of facets and in and, and all types of genres and you know in one universe we have a black superman who's the president you know now even speaking from main continuity you know we can I, we can't even count on our hands the number of times things have been retconned and rewritten and changed. Um, so the notion that, you know, Batman, you know, has to have this guilt because he comes from old money and old money is tied some type of way to um, racism, you know, historically, I would even go historically, uh, 
isn't true. So my background is in history. And, you know, there were a lot of rich black families uh, back in the day, especially, you know, in my hometown of New Orleans, uh, in some parts of the Carolinas where they had large free black populations. So the notion that, you know, blacks didn't have money historically just isn't true either. So the idea that, you know, old money has to be tied to race factually um, isn't true. Now, is it overwhelmingly true? Yeah. But the notion that it possibly could not have happened isn't true because there were there were several families of, of means uh, back in early America. And uh, some of those families still exist with old money. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm going to disagree. I don't want to go too far into it. Um, yeah, but it's not something that I can, I can accept. Well, I think that's a really good piece of information, and I, I really like this conversation that Matches has started. I think he does bring really good thoughts to the table, and even though I disagree in direction, I do think it's worth thinking about, and I'm so glad that we have you know, Steph and, and Theo here to sort of give different perspectives. I, I really appreciate this conversation. So if other people want to weigh in for the next episode, I'd love to hear it. Um, let's hear our next question, Steph. I just want to say real quick that the comment made me think of I don't know if you guys watch Psych, but there's an episode of Psych where they're putting on a Victorian play. Calm down. I'm just saying the show seems a little white. Yeah. It's set in London in 1888. So what are you saying? Black people hadn't been invented yet? <laughs> and it's just like, it's true. We're just so, oh, I don't know. We can't think out of our own color box sometimes. And it's sad. Anyway. Yeah, it, 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 it you know, it, it's... Uh, and I guess because because I have you know I'm, I'm I'm I have white in my family you know my my closest non black relative was my great grandmother who was you know in you know and go further down the line as even more uh, you know I guess gives me a different mindset but even without that you know just the just the study of history. And, you know, my studies in, in history have just shown that, you know, there are a lot of misconceptions uh, mm -hmm. that that comes out of some of the statements. And I just can't I can't get on board with it. Too many too many of us ignoramuses talking about like we know what we're talking about. But. Sally Forth. Real No Jesus says, hashtag mailbag, which everyone should be using if you want your comment read on the podcast. Hashtag mailbag. I know, or I am pretty sure, know why the cast members aren't fans of the Joker, because you're all blue-haired SJ dubs. Just kidding. But is that a rare occurrence, or will I become jaded and bored by the Joker after more years of bad books? I think it is a rare occurrence. I think that I personally am a weird fan, and I fully own that. I, I think I've said many times, Joker sells. Joker is popular. Fans love the Joker. I think that um, Joker War, as much as I personally am not a huge fan of the idea, is a great idea for Batman leading 
into issue 100. It's a big storyline, big characters to a big issue. So I'm not saying that people shouldn't be excited. I personally just don't like the Joker because he killed Sarah Essen Gordon in No Man's Land. That, um, that storyline still just makes me so frustrated because Sarah is a, is a civilian character. So unlike a superhero, she never comes back. So if he kills a Robin, the Robin comes back. But if he kills a civilian, that civilian stays dead. And if you like that character, you don't get to read about them anymore. I was never a fan of, um, I shouldn't say not a fan of, but between uh, The Dark Knight with Heath Ledger's Joker and how many people admired him and thought he was great. Like he did a good job and I guess I see it, but it was so disturbing. Like that whole movie, I, I don't watch that movie. It's so gross on like a spiritual level. <laughs> like I can't, I can't watch it for entertainment. I understand like it's very intriguing and it's got a lot of interesting points and it's very well done, but just as like an entertainment piece, I can't tolerate it. And then there was a, I'm trying to think, just most most versions of Joker, he's just so morally bankrupt. I just can't watch it for or read it or watch it for entertainment. Like I like a character who's maybe conflicted or Nathan Fillion said, you know, the best villain is a villain who thinks he's the good guy. And Joker knows he's evil. And I think that really bothers me. Like He's just got no goodness in him. And part of me just cannot take that. And I think that's my personal reason for just not being able to stand him. I am not a fan of any, any character outside of the main character that is consistently used. Um, you know, and at, and at one point in time, that was the Joker, you know, especially, for example, in the Snyder run of Batman. I mean, the Joker was everywhere, even when he wasn't, you know, after the, after the events of Endgame, he still came back while, you know, the while Gotham was dealing with the likes of Mr. Bloom, you know. So, you know, when when a character is used that much, especially in 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 a way where it's it's not important or it's it brings no closure. I get annoyed with that. Um, now we saw with King's run, I think the Joker was in two runs, mainly one being the wedding and the other being uh, poops and giggles. Um, <laughs> thanks Steph. I mean, I mean, that's Steph. So that was uh, Stella. Stella. That's Stella. Yeah. Thanks Stella. Um, but you know, so I'm, I'm, Excited to see where Tanya and and the Joker War will go. Um, so I, I don't have a problem with 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 the Joker's role this go round. However, if after Joker War is done, we still have another Joker arc and another Joker arc, then uh, JT and I are going to have to have a conversation. <laughs> Well, I think that we are going to have a bunch of tie-ins. Um, we know that Batgirl and Nightwing are both tying in. But I think that all of us are excited about that because it's the cohesion that we've been kind of looking for. Um, but I, I would agree if after Joker War, we just have Joker coming back for Joker War Part 2, Joker War 3, The Revenge of the Joker. 
I think we, we would probably rightly say, uh, maybe we need some new villains, guys. Okay, so that about wraps us up for um, the Batman Universe comic podcast. Let me go ahead and um, read out our patrons and supporters for this month. We have Gerald Green, Donald Townsend, Tim Garassi, Captain America, Karinas, Mary Garrett, Real No Deuces, Stanton's Grave, Brendan Roberts, Donovan Morgan Grant, Ed Grouse, Rob O, Ian Miller, Arturo Juarez, Stephanie Mounts, Joshua Lappin Bertoni, Hannah Gar, and Johnny McCloskey. We really appreciate all your support, and it helps us keep these podcasts hosted and able to be listened to by you wonderful fans. Um, I hope that if you want to join our team or even just join our conversation on the Discord, you do so. All those links are on the website, or you can tweet us at TBU Comics. Um, and I really appreciate your listening and support. And I appreciate my co-host, Steph and Theo. So I will hope to see you guys next time when we have our second of three episodes this month for the Batman Universe comic podcast.